Chapter 4, Part 1 of Sin and Its Consequences by Henry Edward Manning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 Sins of Omission, Part 1 Who can understand sins? From my secret sins cleanse me, O God. Psalm 8, verse 13 if as we have seen the knowledge of the intellect and the consent of the will be necessary to constitute a sin how can there be secret sins how can there be sins which we do not know first because we may have committed what we have afterwards forgotten which thus becomes secret to us but is yet recorded in the book of god's remembrance next we may only half understand the sinfulness of that which we do and one half of our guilt is secret from us again through a culpable ignorance of ourselves we do not know how often we offend god we read in holy scripture these words which at first sight are most alarming there are wise men and there are just men and their work is in the hand of god yet no man knoweth whether he be worthy of love or hatred ecclesiastes chapter nine verse one that is even the just man even the wise man even the man that does many works which are remembered before god even he cannot know with a perfect consciousness whether in the sight of god he be an object of love or an object of hatred and that because in the light of the presence of god sins which are perfectly invisible to us sins of thought word and deed which in the twilight of our conscience in the confusion of our soul are secret to us are visible to god they who know this best can only have the confidence of hope that their sins before god are forgiven they have no revelation of it and therefore they cannot know it with a divine certainty and that which we do not know with a divine certainty we can only know by a trust of confidence and hope springing from the promises of god and the consciousness of our own soul this must be manifest to every one who at all knows himself he knows that the leaves which fall from the trees in autumn are not more in multitude than the words we scatter every day that the lights of the sun glancing to and fro all the day long are not more multitudinous than the thoughts perpetually arising in our hearts that the motion of the sea or the restlessness of the air is not more continuous than the working of our imagination our heart our affections our passions and in this mystery this confusion of our being who is there that will venture to say that the good predominates over the evil the light over the darkness and that in the sight of god he is an object of love rather than of hatred now i have felt that our subjects hitherto have been of a severe kind 
and the subject that we have now will not be less so but hereafter i hope we shall be able to pass on to the grace and the mercy of our lord jesus christ and to the consolations for which all that i have said is but the preparation we are approaching to our easter joys that is to the precious blood of jesus christ and to the perfect absolution of sin which he has laid up for all those who are penitent let me then take up and complete this last part of what i have said we have already seen the nature of sins of commission they are either the mortal sins which separate the soul from god in this life and if not repented of in the life to come or they are the venial sins which are the disease though they are not the death of the soul and these are the greatest evils next after mortal sins that the heart of man can conceive they are the preludes of mortal sin in many and are punished by detention from the vision of god both in this world and in the world to come this then was the first part of our subject the last part will be sins of omission the first was the sin of doing evil the last the sin of leaving good undone now let me suppose that which is intellectually conceivable though it has never existed let me suppose a soul created in the likeness of god and committing no sin but bearing no fruit this is precisely the state described in the parable of the barren fig tree the tree was alive the roots strong and in the ground the branches were covered with leaves but when year after year the fruit was sought none was to be found this is a parable and description of a soul alive indeed but not fulfilling the end of its creation and for what end was the soul created to know to love to serve to worship and to be made like to god and the soul that does not fulfill the end of its creation that does not know and love and serve and worship god and is not likened and assimilated to god its maker and its original that soul not fulfilling the end of its creation would therefore be in a state of condemnation and the words of the parable would be true and just cut it down why cumbereth it the ground luke chapter thirteen verse seven we are bound by three obligations to glorify god by fulfilling the end of our creation first by the law of our creation itself we were created to glorify him by a life of obedience as much as the earth was created to bear fruit and the firmament to give light if the firmament were turned into darkness and the earth into desolation it would not fulfill the end for which it was made and so too with the soul that does not glorify god again we are bound to glorify god by a direct commandment and that direct commandment is written in the decalogue and in the two precepts of charity 
thou shalt love the lord thy god with thy whole heart with thy whole soul with thy whole mind with thy whole strength and thy neighbor as thyself matthew chapter twelve verses thirty seven and thirty nine and we are bound to fulfill these two precepts of charity under pain of eternal death there is also a third obligation not indeed binding under pain of eternal death a law of which i shall speak hereafter and that is the law of liberty the law of love of gratitude and of generous freedom which is written by the holy ghost on the heart of all those who being born again in baptism are united to our lord and saviour jesus christ by the bond of charity sins of omission are against either the law of our creation or the law of the two precepts of charity or against the law of liberty if we leave undone the good or the duties to which we are bound by those obligations we commit sins of omission i have already shown how sins that are venial lead to sins that are mortal so i will now show how sins of omission lead on to sins of commission they are the beaten pathway which leads to actual sins now sins of omission or the leaving duty undone may indeed arise from any one of the seven capital sins and then it is also a sin of commission a son may omit his duty to his father through anger the sin of anger adds a sin of commission so i might take examples from the others but i will select one only and that because it has the greatest affinity to sins of omission i mean the sin of sloth we understand at once that pride anger jealousy and the like may be mortal sins because we can understand their intrinsic hatefulness and guilt but sometimes men say how can a sin of sloth be mortal we must therefore distinguish the sin of slothfulness is not mortal except under certain circumstances but a state of sloth and a habit of sloth is certainly a mortal sin we must therefore distinguish between slothfulness and sloth slothfulness is the habit or state of the soul tending towards the last mortal state of sloth which i will describe hereafter let us take this as our example and i will show how this slothfulness leads to sins of omission and how these sins of omission lead to sins of commission and how these sins of commission at last terminate in the mortal sin of sloth number one suppose then some christian who is in the state of grace and communion with god living in charity in the love of god and the love of his neighbor that is leading a good and pious life one of the chief duties which he will punctually and carefully fulfill is the duty of prayer you will remember in the book of acts when saul the persecutor was converted by a special miracle the sign given of his conversion was this behold he prayeth acts chapter nine verse eleven 
prayer is the breath of the soul just as breathing is the sign of life prayer is the sign of the life of the soul prayer means the union of the soul with god the converse of the soul with god the soul speaking with god ascending to god as saint augustine says by thought that is in meditation by the affections that is in worship and by the will that is making resolutions of obedience every day a man who is a christian and living in a state of grace will pray to almighty god not only morning and night but at other times in the day prayer will be his habit now what is the effect of sins of omission in respect of prayer let me suppose that business professions pleasure worldly distractions begin to break the habit of prayer perhaps at first a man only shortens his prayers or he does not even shorten them he says them more hastily he says them materially as before but not mentally for his heart is somewhere else he is in haste and though he repeats literally his usual prayers his heart is far off or at least he ceases to pray with the same sweetness and good will and fixedness and recollection here is an example of a sin of omission which is very common i do not take the example of a man giving up his prayers that stands to reason but even if he begins to omit the fervor and recollection with which he says his prayers what does it lead on to a certain wandering of the mind a multiplicity of thoughts which crowd upon him the associations which glance off as it were from every angle of his memory and of his intellect his mind is full of colors cast in from the world even while kneeling before god little by little his mind gets the habit of wandering and then he begins to complain that he cannot pray when he kneels down his heart is in his house of business or in the pleasures of last night or in the amusements of to-morrow he is as we say in the state of distraction or of dissipation his mind is scattered he has lost his recollection what is his next step he begins to talk much to scatter his words without consideration a man of prayer has a habit of weighing of measuring his words as he has the habit of prayer so he will have the habit of silence he will be what we call an interior man his mind will be turned in on itself he will not be a chatterer but men who begin to lose their habit of recollection before god become chatterers among men solitude becomes irksome to be alone is torment to be silent is a pain he must be always speaking an uneasiness of being alone with themselves makes such men seek for society and the desire to get rid of uneasy recollections makes them continually talk and in this way they commit a multitude of faults by their tongue but for every idle word that men shall speak 
they shall account in the day of judgment well there is worse than this saint paul of the cross used to say to those about him stay at home stay at home when they asked what do you mean am i never to go out of my house he would answer them stay in the solitude of your own heart before god and keep three lamps always burning before the altar faith hope and charity before the presence of god in your heart now the man i have been describing began perhaps with thoughtfulness but little by little the dissipation of his thoughts and the constant talk of his lips have made him to be as we say all abroad he is not at home he is not dwelling with god the three lamps grow dim faith hope and charity burn low this is just the state that our divine lord has described when he says any man putting his hand to the plough and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of god luke chapter nine verse sixty two he does not say that he will never be saved because he may turn back and steadily follow out the furrow to the end but so long as he has his face averted from god all the activity of his mind and being is turned from god to creatures number two this is the first effect of a sin of omission the next is that it produces a kind of sluggishness in everything that he does outwardly perhaps the actions of his life are to the eye of his neighbors just the same as they were before but to the eye of god a change has passed upon him the eye of god to whom all things are open sees that the inward state of that man is not what it was there is a certain sluggishness which no human eye can detect but god sees it in everything that he does i have said before that fervor consists in doing our duty with great exactness he begins to do his duties with a certain carelessness so that the motives from which he acts and the manner in which he does even things that are good are not what they were just as a man who writes in haste or who draws in haste will not complete any figure or any letter with exactness so it is with the man who begins to lose his fervor then he begins to be unpunctual he puts off his prayers in the morning he forgets them till noonday and perhaps at noonday he says only half of them and at night he says them with an uneasy conscience perhaps the next day it is the same or even worse unpunctuality begins to run through all his secret duties before god then comes irregularity that is to say he used to live by rule he used to take the will of god as his will and try to conform himself to it as well as he could but now he lives by the rules of the world the customs of men and i may say at haphazard and at random the next step is this he begins openly to leave duties undone 
to take one example every one who is in a state of grace has the seven gifts of the holy ghost now these seven gifts are wisdom understanding counsel knowledge piety fortitude and the fear of the lord four of these perfect the intellect and three of them perfect the will but a man in this state of sluggishness ceases to act according to the light and direction of these gifts of the holy spirit of god these seven gifts have been described as the sails of a ship the more we spread them the more we speed the soul and the more we speed the soul the more we are carried onwards in the way of salvation those who neglect those gifts or by sins of omission do not make use of them leave the sails reefed or furled and their course in the way of eternal life is retarded again there are in every one of us the graces of faith hope and charity in your prayer books you are bid to make the acts of these three virtues but what do acts mean they are inward actions of the soul towards god whereby we exert the grace of faith or the grace of hope or the grace of charity in union with god but these soon lose their power in a man who has ceased to pray next comes neglect of the manifold duties of charity towards our neighbor what was the sin of the priest and of the levite when each of them saw the wounded man in the road between jerusalem and jericho the priest came that way and looked upon him and passed by the levite came and saw him and passed on they committed a sin of omission in respect to the charity they owed to their neighbor what was the sin of devis at whose door lazarus lay full of sores we do not read that he refused to help him we certainly do not read that he drove him away from his house but he gave him no help it was a sin of omission our lord says that at the last day he will say i was hungry and ye gave me no meat i was thirsty and ye gave me no drink i was naked and ye clothed me not matthew chapter twenty five verse thirty five he will not say i asked you and you refused me but ye did not seek me out which again is a sin of omission lastly comes the sin of omission of love towards god we are bound to love god with our whole heart and our whole mind and the man who commits sins of omission in charity towards his neighbor fails also in charity towards god for he that loveth not his brother whom he seeth how can he love god whom he seeth not one john chapter four verse twenty the state of such a soul is thus described in the parable luke chapter nineteen verse twenty the servant who had received a pound took and buried it and another who had received a talent wrapped it in a napkin when the lord came they both restored that which they had received undiminished but it was not increased and why because they were guilty of a sin of omission 
they had not used that trust which was committed to their stewardship and the excuse given was this i knew that thou wert an austere man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strewed that is to say when he had begun to lose his love to his master he lost his confidence in his master's love he began to distrust the love of god because he knew that he was wanting in love towards him so that the sin of omission at last threatens the life of the soul for the life of the soul is charity number three then thirdly from these sins of slothfulness comes a certain animosity against those who love god just as the soul turns away from god in that proportion it has an animosity against those who continue to persevere in the love of god so much so that the very sight of any one who is fervent in the love of god becomes an eyesore we know and you i have no doubt know by your own experience that we can tolerate anybody as a companion who is less pious than we are but we cannot easily tolerate anybody who is more pious any one who prays more or any one who makes more of his duties towards god and his neighbor any one who is more just or more holy is a constant reproof and rebuke to us we are ill at ease in his presence but anybody who is lower than ourselves we can tolerate easily he is neither a reproof nor a rebuke on the contrary we think we can teach him and we are soothed by thinking that we can set him an example there is nothing galling or painful in the companionship of those who are lower than ourselves in the spiritual life but those who are above us unless we are humble make us restless one sign of those who are declining from god is this they do not like to see people go so often to communion they get impatient at hearing of their going so often to confession or if they know that they often visit the blessed sacrament or that they spend a long time in their room in prayer all this makes them uneasy finally even the grace of god which they see in others becomes to them a trial if they see people more zealous than they are more fervent more self-denying more prosperous in working for god in saving souls in doing works of charity or in labors of spiritual mercy even that very spiritual prosperity of their neighbor makes them to fret they are conscious that they are not like them and that consciousness is painful if you look for an example out of holy scripture i will give you two when the prodigal son came home and the father forgave him and gave him shoes on his feet and the first robe and made the festival of joy the elder brother when he heard the music refused to come in he was jealous and angry when our divine lord sat in the house of simon the pharisee 
and poor mary magdalene with all her sins upon her burst into the midst of that banquet and washed the feet of our lord with her tears and anointed them and kissed them simon the pharisee said to himself this man if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is for she is a sinner our lord said simon i have somewhat to say to thee i entered into thy house thou gavest me no water for my feet this woman since i came in hath washed my feet with her tears my head with oil thou didst not anoint but she hath anointed my feet with ointment thou gavest me no kiss she since i came in kissed my feet in the heart of that pharisee upright as no doubt he was and pure from the sins which stained poor mary magdalene there was a lack of charity before god a pride and censoriousness which was rebuked by the grace of penance in that poor fallen woman end of chapter four part one